This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Call yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented as always by DraftKings. Huge UFC fight coming up this weekend. More on that a little bit later. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. I got five podcasts. Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Three times a week in the offseason, five times a week during the season. Will Brinson was amazing on yesterday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast talking about beer and Russell Wilson. And not necessarily in that order, but we got into it a lot. Should have Andrew Brandt on tomorrow's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We got to talk about a lot of things, including rookie contracts like Trevor Lawrence, NIL and what the net, the name, image, and likeness is going to mean for the agent business moving forward. Franchise tag deadlines coming up. So quite a bit to get to with Mr. Brandt tomorrow. We will have Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. He's a data scientist. He is on today's Even Money podcast. So awesome week. We'll have the Fantasy Feast podcast tomorrow. Andrew Brandt does the business of sports. You can check me out on social at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. All of the shows always get posted to at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter or Instagram. You can engage on the other platforms as well. And yes, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, which is one of the first places I really knew that my co-host on this show, Emery Hunt, was going to be an absolute rock star at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. But Football Game Plan on YouTube was way ahead of the ball game. Check it out if you haven't already. You can also always pick up footballgameplan.com draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide, or you can start to get ready for the 2022 draft guide as well. Emery, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ross. Glad to be on the show, as always, talking some shop. Yeah, so a bunch of things to get to. We've been talking about this for months, right? We're going to do the 2018 NFL Draft. People always say, you can't judge a draft for three years, and then they never actually go back and do it. And I'm not here to, like, give out grades or evaluate. I just want to know, like, okay, what can we take away from it? Like, what what lessons, if any, can we take away from the 2018 NFL draft? But before we do that, actually, Emery, uh, some some draft news. If you're into college football and you're into the draft, and if you're listening or watching this podcast, I have to imagine most of you are. By the way, we will start breaking down the top prospects in the Power Five conferences and otherwise starting next week. So 
We are full throttle into the 2021 NFL, or actually 2021 college season, 2022 NFL draft, starting next week. But first, we'll do a 2018 draft. However, it looks like the 2022 draft, Emory, is already going to be a little bit different in the sense that they're moving the Shrine game. And I saw you tweeting about it earlier, so I had to get your thoughts on, before we even get to the timing of it, just your thoughts on moving the Shrine game. You know, I get it from a business standpoint, but just from a uh, evaluator and fan and traveler standpoint, I hate that it moves away from Florida. When, when I go down to, you know, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game, it's in the South, it's good weather. It's like a Friday practice during the season. But when you move an event to a major city, everything feels like punt return, right? Everything is just happening so fast. You got to move in and out of traffic. You got to get out the way. You got to keep your head in the swivel. And you don't really get a chance to decompress. Because you know how we are during the season. It's nonstop go. We're on the move, calling games, scouting games, doing work in the studio. And so going to an all-star event, it's a chance for you to relax, get back into the groove, kind of decompress while also still working. But you move to a major city, man, and it just sounds a lot like in the middle of the year uh, playing football in Times Square. Well, I was going to say to you, though, I mean, I guess I don't know if all the practices are at Allegiant Stadium or if they're somewhere else. But, I mean, the weather, well, actually, yeah, the weather should be nice in Las Vegas that time of year. It is. And and I'm just saying this from a personal perspective. Um, I don't like flights over two and a half hours. So, obviously, that is a problem for me. Um, but I guess I'll have to get used to it and you know, the five-hour flight and get ready for it, get myself ready to go. But that's why I love Florida because it was two and a half hours, two hours and 15 minutes that we caught good tailwind, and I'm in and out like that. Uh, and I, that just made travel easier for me. What about um, the fact that, and I saw, I think it was Chase Goodbread might have tweeted this, it's going to be the same week as the Senior Bowl, I believe, which – I guess that makes sense because it's the same week as the Pro Bowl and the senior week is always the same week as the Pro Bowl, whereas the Shrine game used to always be the week before the conference championship games. That is interesting. I wonder if they're going to try to compete with the Senior Bowl to get players. I mean, I wonder which one will get more attention from NFL Network. i got a lot of questions. Yeah, i got a ton of questions, and it goes right along the lines of what you're talking about competing i particularly don't like to see all-star games compete with one another because it it kind of takes away from the reason why the all-star games exist to be a showcase for the players now granted you want to have you know nfl scouts and a lot of nfl scouts and coaches attend your event and i can understand why the shrine wants to go toe-to-toe with the senior bowl in that regard um, because now you have guys that are there let's say in vegas um, you know, for it's a bigger market and it's easier to get in and out of. So it's easier for scouts to travel there uh, as opposed to going to Mobile. Where primarily everybody flies into New Orleans and drives to Mobile. Some, you know, fly into Mobile, take connection. But for the most part, people drive into, uh, you know, Mobile from New Orleans. Uh, and so I just don't want them to compete toe to toe because, again, I'm used to going to all of these all-star games and I would like to continue to go to all of these all-star games. And if you put them all in the same week, it's like, man, what are we doing? But if you're the NFL PA game, you're probably like, wow, we have a full week to ourselves because they were trying to compete 
with the Shrine game over the last six or seven years having their event, you know, the same week. And it wasn't competing with the All-Star game. It was competing with Florida. Do you rather go to Florida or would you rather go to Carson City, California? And Florida will win out 14 times out of 10. And so now with them having a week to themselves, it'll be interesting to see how big the NFLPA game grows too. Yeah, that is, that's an interesting part of it that I hadn't really thought about, uh, the NFLPA game. But, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, – I don't know. How many people went to both, I guess, is the question. How many people would go to the Shrine game and then go down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl? I, I would I would probably try to do it, um, you know, because I know how vital both games are and critical both games are. You kind of want to get to both um, because you've gone to both you know, for the last decade, and you don't want to break that tradition. Um, it's going to be tough, though, because, you know, again, if it's the same week and we know how the Senior Bowl week starts practically Tuesday, you know, the Shrine usually starts on a Monday, so you can kind of maybe catch the kite out after two practices and go down to, to, the, uh, to, to the Senior Bowl and try to catch two practices there. So it'll be interesting to see how people divvy it up. Well, we're divvying up our schedule here on the College Draft Podcast by diving into the 2018 draft. Very, very interesting. I was reviewing it earlier this morning. And before I even get into that, I just want people to know, it might be the best UFC ever. McGregor, Poirier, three, all set for UFC 264 this weekend. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round. 264 to 1 odds on a knockout. So you really, you don't even care who wins the fight. You're just hoping somebody gets knocked out. He got knocked the bleep out. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up to turn $1 into 200. Dude, this is me right here. I don't like to stay up that late, and I like favorable odds. So 264 to 1, I watch the first round. Okay, that stinks. It didn't happen. Oh, yes, he's gone. I love it. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you use the code ROSS. All right, Emery, let's dive into 2018 draft. And we'll just go, I don't know, we'll do three picks at a time. Uh, The Browns went Baker Mayfield. Then the Giants went Saquon Barkley. The Jets went Sam Darnold. Really interesting because Mayfield, the jury, was way out until this past year where he got a new coaching staff, and now people seem to feel better about it. Saquon started out on fire, but then has had injury issues the last couple years. Darnold flamed out with the Jets, but in Carolina, they think he's the man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I have any takeaways from these three guys yet, other than my I think my big takeaway from these three guys is I don't have a big takeaway yet. I need I, I feel like I I also I feel like I need one more year for all three of these dudes. You know what's interesting? Uh when you look at the, the three, Saquon made the Pro Bowl and won rookie of the year, I believe, that that season. And the talk leading into the draft was how high do you take a running back, right? And I remember being on a radio show in Cleveland at the time um, because the Browns had two picks in the top five. And everyone was asking, well, what do you do with the with their two picks? How would you play it? 
I was like, well, I'll take Saquon Barkley number one. Everybody lost their minds. How could you pass up Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen? I was like, because I know I can get the best quarterback at pick four, and that's Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to have a backfield with Saquon and Lamar and lead the league in rushing for the next decade. And so for me, I would have played it differently. However, the Giants, I still think, made the right move taking Saquon Barkley because he's a difference maker, and he proved to be that right out of the gate. Now, Darnold, I had as my second-graded quarterback in the draft class behind um, Lamar Jackson, and my comp for him was Tony Romo. I felt like he was a guy that can make some off-script plays. Can He, he was athletic enough to scramble and make plays with his legs, uh, but had a turnover issue. And that right there has shown to be true uh, so far. Baker Mayfield, I kind of compare, I compared him to Case Keenum, saying like, you know, he's a guy that kind of can be solid. You know, and remember that year Case Keenum was coming off the Minnesota year where they got to the NFC Championship game. So it wasn't a knock. It was more of a, a stylistic comparison. I didn't see Baker as a first uh, first overall type pick, but someone that you can win games with if you had the right team around him. The next couple picks uh, are interesting as well. You've got Denzel Ward at four to Cleveland. Denver Broncos took Bradley Chubb at five. The Colts took Quentin Nelson at six. I, I would say perhaps maybe with the with the exception of the injury to Chubb, I would think all three of those teams are pretty happy with those selections. Yeah, and you also have to add in the injuries with Ward. Ward misses about three games a year. Um, so he has to find a way to stay healthy. And I think if you had a do-over, you probably would say maybe Cleveland takes Nelson as opposed to Ward, or maybe they go Chubb. I know that was a, a thought you know, out there, like you get the quarterback and you get the pass rusher. But health permitting, all three guys that when they were out there, they've been very productive with Quint Nelson obviously being – uh, the best out of the trio. The next three picks, you got the Bills taking Josh Allen at seven, the Bears taking Roquan Smith at eight, and the linebacker, obviously, people know quarterback Josh Allen, and the Niners taking offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey at nine. Boy, the Josh Allen one, first year was like, eh, second year, uh Third year, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because for me, and I have the original, my original scouting report here, uh, I wanted to pull that one specifically because I wrote down for Josh Allen, inside the red zone, Allen protects the ball rather well, seems to maximize the opportunity. And as the field shrinks, he's much more decisive and accurate. Man, that's dead on because once he got inside the red zone, you look at his red zone numbers, in the NFL, I don't think he's had a turnover inside the red zone at all. And the the co- the goal for him was, you know, from twenty to twenty, it was an adventure. Uh, but inside the twenty, he locks in. He the field shrinks for him, and the ball gets there accurately. And he's throwing strikes. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's a great quality to have. But you have to mitigate through the twenty to twenty area uh, with him. And we saw them have the patience and be able to do that. And that's why he had such a breakout year this season. Now, you want to know if that's more to come or was it an anomaly? Because he had two, he had one bad year, one average year, one great year. Now you find out in year four which one really it is. Uh, but I thought that was the that was the, the pick that everybody talked about 
uh, in the first round. I thought Roquan Smith was chalk. Everybody kind of had the Bears to take him, uh, peck to take him. And you also look at McGlinchey was kind of a, you know, uh, you know, people thought it was a reach at the time, but he's proven to be a solid uh, starter for them up front. Then you get um, 10, 11, 12. The Cardinals taking Josh Rosen. The quarterback from UCLA, the Dolphins taking Minka Fitzpatrick, the Alabama safety who's now with the Steelers, and the Tampa Bay Bucks drafting defensive tackle Vita Vea. What lessons are we learning from Rosen, first of all? Sometimes you have to trust what you see. And I wasn't as high on Rosen as most. Um, you know, I had him right below Baker Mayfield grade wise or right at Baker Mayfield. They had the same grade. I had him higher than, uh, Mayfield. Honestly, he was my third quarterback. Um, but I had a 77 and a half grade on him. Um, and I compared this game to Eli Manning. I just thought that athletically he wasn't there. People made a big deal out of his tennis, uh, background say he has the athleticism, but I told people this, I feel like he maxed out as a college freshman. He was so good as a freshman that we didn't normally see freshman quarterbacks step in and play well. And you kind of had that initial picture, you know, stuck in your mind and had that throughout the entire time he was in college. But you go back and watch his career. He never really got better. He stayed the same way, which is good for a freshman, but it's not good for a junior. And so I, I thought people kind of overrated his, his ability um, and that's probably why we hadn't seen the success. And some people still hold out hope saying he needs a chance. Well, man, you know, the, you know, the Cardinals gave him a full season to start without looking over his shoulder. Then he goes to, to uh, Miami. They give him every opportunity, and we saw it play out in real time where the offense just looked better with Fitzpatrick out there. So I think that's the lesson. Sometimes things are what they are, and you can't create things that don't exist. Yeah, it's, uh, that's interesting. It, going on from there, Minka Fitzpatrick and Vita Vea both be, have become really good players. I was shocked that Miami gave up on Minka so early, um, and he goes and becomes a two-time All-Pro with Pittsburgh because he's exactly what you want in today's game in terms of someone that plays safety. It's a positionless position, uh, so he's essentially a defensive back. He can do a lot of different things, but Miami was trying to make him be one thing, and that's not why you drafted him that high. He goes to Pittsburgh, and we know how that is the fountain of youth for so many players and prospects. And I think that's why we've seen him just take off and become the player that he was at Alabama. And Vita V, I mean, it took him a while, but man, last year he was dominant up front for Tampa. The next three picks, you've got Washington taking Duran Payne. The Saints taking Marcus Davenport, Deron Payne, D-tackle from Washington, Marcus Davenport, D-end from the Saints, and then the Oakland Raiders took Colton Miller, the offensive tackle. Yeah, and rate them in that order because that's how their career has gone, right? Uh, Payne has been solid for Washington. Davenport has been inconsistent. And remember, the Saints traded up, and I thought, oh, they traded up to go get Lamar Jackson but they trade up to get Davenport um, and Davenport, you know, you can make a case that Trey Hendrickson, who they drafted later in his draft was better, you know, than uh, Davenport. And I think that right there uh, shows you the, you know, the unknown part of the draft Davenport checks all the boxes athletically, but hasn't been able to put it all together on a consistent basis. And Miller has gotten better, 
But initially, man, it looked like a complete whiff by, by Oakland at the time. Um, but, you know, you, you hope that he can continue to, to take steps in the right direction. But that was the one out the three that many people believed um, that was the big whiff. You know, what's interesting to me about that is, um, you know, the Raiders already gave him a second contract now. And they're paying him like he's big time. I don't know that he's really there. And I think he might be. Somebody has an email to me that we're going to get to probably this week at the Ross Tucker Football Podcast where he's like the first second contract the Raiders have given one of their first-round picks since like Darren McFadden. Like something crazy. I got to look it up, but something really, really crazy. The next three picks, man, this is a talented draft. I mean, the next three, you got the Bills taking linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, the Chargers taking safety Derwin James, and the Packers taking corner Jair Alexander. And this, I mean, wow, what a value Derwin James is at that spot, right? Um, you just hope that healthy, uh, health permitting, he can see out there because that has been his bugaboo. But when he's out there, he's been tremendous. Um, a really home run pick there. Jair Alexander, I had a higher grade on than Denzel Ward. Um, and to see him just continue to thrive every year with Green Bay has been spectacular. And, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, people, this is what people, this is why folks got to take emotion out of everything. You know, folks want him to be Brian Erlacher or Ray Lewis, right? But they never talk about when at this draft, you know, when he was selected, he was 19 years old. So fast forward three years, four, he's 23 now. I mean, the dude is still rookie age and has gotten three years of NFL experience. His upside is through the roof. He's 6'4", 250, can play inside or outside backer, be patient. He's been productive, and he's going to continue to get better. But he was 19 years old when he was taken. Remember, Amobi Okoye was 19 when he was drafted by the Houston Texans You know, a, a decade or so ago. But, man, 19 years old, playing linebacker in the NFL and played it well as a rookie, it's impressive. Yeah, I remember uh, meeting a lot of these guys before the draft. Uh, I forget even where this draft was, maybe Dallas. And Edmonds and our next guy, Van Der Esch, really big dudes. I mean, they were like legit 6'5", 250 type guys. Uh, the next three picks, the Cowboys took Leighton Van Der Esch, 19. Lions took Frank Ragnow, 20. The Bengals, the center from Arkansas. The Bengals took Billy Price, center from Ohio State, 21. Wow. Think about just that, Emery. Just the difference between getting Frank Ragnow at 20 versus Billy Price at 21. It's a and big difference, man. That's a big difference. That, that really is. Frank, Frank Ragnow was my number one center in the class, and Billy Price was my number two. Um so initially, I thought, wow, this is great. We got two centers going in the first round. That tells you how good the position was, in my opinion, at, in thinking in terms of 2018. But looking at it in t- with 2020 eyes, like you said, what a big gap between Ragnow and Price. And Price is like Rasputin. He has still another opportunity this year to, to make things right as Trey Hopkins, who I like a lot, got hurt in the last game of the season uh, for the Bengals towards ACL. So we don't know how healthy he's going to be. So guess who's next up on the depth chart? Billy Price. You know, here's a chance once again to right some wrongs. Uh, for Vander Esch, 
I wasn't as high on Van Der Esch, to be honest, coming out. I thought he was stiff athletically and could be a liability in pass coverage. But, you know, this dude went out there and balled out his rookie year and became an asset to that team and, and was just outstanding. So that was a whiff for me in terms of how well I thought he was going to play right out of the gate. You know, I distinctly remember while we were in Dallas, I was working for DeZone, there had been rumors about a neck injury for Van Der Esch. And I asked him about it. And he was like, nothing wrong with my neck. I have no idea what you're talking about. Because that had come out. Well, he goes to Dallas. Right away, he's wearing that neck collar. So you know he's got something wrong with his neck. Okay? And now he's had issues with it. To the point where they draft Micah Parsons this year. I would say my big takeaway from looking at this draft, Emery, it's just how important health is. And, like, there, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? Some of it's just luck. But some of it's – there was obviously some information out on Van Der Esch before. But Barkley's health, Bradley Chubb's health. You mentioned Denzel Ward. Um, uh, the, the health of Derwin James. I mean, health has been a huge thing. Van Der Esch now – I don't remember if the other three guys, there was something out beforehand for them, but there was definitely stuff out on Van Der Esch ahead of time, and the Cowboys took him anyway. Yeah, and health and situation matters the most. Situation, we talked about Rosen. We talked about Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, it matters tremendously. Uh, and I always said injuries are a freak occurrence, but unless there's a pattern of injury following you from college, that's – which you have to trust. And like you said, you, you got information that came out um, in Dallas with that. And, you know, uh, and that's, it proved to be true. And you're right. We, we were in Dallas because that's where I ran into you at the food station. You know, it's funny how that, that was a pretty good spread down there. Yes. In Dallas. <laughs> All right. So the next up, we got the Titans took Rashawn Evans, the linebacker at 22. The Patriots took Isaiah Wynn at 23 and the Carolina Panthers, Got DJ Moore at 24. Evans has been solid for Tennessee. When we talked about injuries, you know, he has to find a way to stay healthy. He's been hurt or missed time every year in the league. But when he's out there, he's playing well. So you got to hope that guys can stay healthy. Um, and that's going to be the biggest key. And DJ Moore has been as good as advertised. Uh, he's gotten better every year. He's a physical player at the point of attack. Uh, and was one of those guys that everyone liked uh, as a prospect, you know, amongst the draft community, and he's proven to be a very solid pro. Then we get to 25. The Ravens take Hayden Hurst, the tight end who's now in Atlanta. And speaking of Atlanta, they took wide receiver Calvin Ridley, and the Seahawks took Rashad Penny, the running back from San Diego State. Penny was my number two back in that year, that draft class. I had him 10 grade, 10 points below. Saquon Barkley, who I had a, as a 91 grade. Uh, so I had about a, a late first on on Penny um, because of his explosiveness and speed. But we never got to see that because he stayed hurt, nagging injuries, wasn't in shape. You know, and it's it's tough because this was someone that you watched him at San Diego State. He ran for over 2,400 yards, some ridiculous number that season and had many long runs, but just couldn't get out of his own way as a pro and now may just find a, end up bouncing around. Uh, he's still with Seattle, but you may end up seeing him bounce around the league as a complimentary guy, and that's not, you know, that's a, a, a probably my biggest whiff in the first round. Hayden Hurst, 
the big thing about him was the age. You know, he was 25 years old, but he had the good, you know, the good speed, the good ability to get out and get down the field. But people were worried about his upside because he was 25, I believe. Um, but he's been a solid player. He was good for the Ravens that rookie year and, you know, solid enough to where he warranted trade value to go to Atlanta uh, and play there. Now he's going to, you know, have to you know, work behind Kyle Pitts and Ridley. I'm surprised Ridley fell this far. So that's a big-time pickup for Atlanta. He's going to be their number one this year, co-number one with Kyle Pitts, but really has been phenomenal with the Falcons and probably should have gone way higher, at least ahead of D.J. Moore, in my opinion. Next four picks, the Steelers took safety Terrell Edmonds. The Jaguars took D-tackle Taven Bryan from Florida. The Vikings took cornerback Mike Hughes from UCF. Those are three pretty rough picks, actually. You know, the bottom of round one was not nearly as good as the rest of it. Yeah, Edmonds was a shock. Uh, Brian had, you know, some interest. I like Brian as a prospect. He was quick off the ball um, and, and flash, but he'd do it consistently, and that kind of can get you into trouble. That's something that I learned. You know, watch how these guys play over the four, you know, course of different games because uh, when they flash, it, it kind of can be fool's goal. But he has to find a way to stay consistent in the NFL. Sonny Michelle is my number three back in this draft class and injuries, you know, just consistently not being able to be out there kind of hurt him. Mike Hughes was my number one overall corner in the class. I really liked his game. He gets out there, plays well, plays into the starting lineup and then gets hurt, tears his ACL. Um, I think his first or second game of, you know, that rookie season and has been, you know, dealing with nagging injuries since then. So for me, to your point, injuries, uh, is is critical um, to to a lot of these guys' success. If you could be out there, you can get a better chance to, to realize your potential. Perhaps the most interesting pick of the whole draft, the last pick of round one, the Baltimore Ravens traded with the Eagles to get Lamar Jackson, Emery. Funny how this works out, man. And I sent you the tweet this morning, um, you know, talking about, you know, my thoughts was after I spoke with Lamar at the combine, I went out in that in the lobby and tweeted out what I tweeted out that no matter who gets this dude, that team will be in the playoffs this season. And lo and behold, he leads them to the playoffs that year and wins the, the division. And this is the part that people don't give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit for. Imagine being thrown into the game as a rookie quarterback in week nine and having to play essentially seven playoff games to get to the playoffs. This dude went out there and won six of those seven games. They had Kansas City beat. It took a miraculous Mahomes toss uh, on fourth down to beat the Ravens, and that pushed that they gave him the overtime. So Lamar went out there without the offense catered around him. You know, week nine, they were four and five, had to rip rip off a lot of those, those wins to get into the playoffs. To me, that's more impressive than his MVP season. How many rookies can you say can were, were able to, be, to thrive in those adverse situations like this dude did, uh, thrown into the mix, needing to win every doggone game, and he did it? It's really interesting if you look at round two. I mean, near the top, you've got home runs like Nick Chubb. And how about the Colts back-to-back in round two, getting Darius Leonard and Braden Smith? You know, I mean, it's big time. But then you see other guys that – haven't really panned out quite as much so far. Carry on Johnson, Dante Pettis. I mean, there is a uh, a wide range of outcomes 
for these second round guys. That's for sure. We mainly did round one. We weren't going to go through all the picks of the other rounds anyway. Starting next week, we are diving in. We will pick a conference. Emery, I'm going to let you pick. We'll, we'll surprise the folks what conference we start with next week. The college football season will be here before you know it. We'll make sure you know about the best prospects, the best players on each team. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.